Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Retail Refined, a market scale podcast with your host, me, Melissa Gonzalez. Today, I'm excited to have a friend and industry expert on as my guest today. Christina Gustafson is the Senior Vice President of Content at Shop Talk and Grocery Shop, the leading conferences in retail, grocery, and consumer packaged goods industries. She leads the team that shapes the retail and e-commerce industry narratives including agenda development, speaker selection, and thus is at the forefront of understanding the trends that are shaping those industries. She joined Shop Talk in 2017, around the time her and I first met for a project (laughs) that I worked on that she covered for CNBC, which is where she worked as a retail reporter and content editor before joining Shop Talk. So I love that today I get to bring it full circle. We're back in 2017, she interviewed me and today I get to interview her. So Christina, thanks so much for being on with us today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's hard to believe it's uh, been that long that we've known each other, but I guess time flies. I know, I know, exactly. And you've had, you know, a very full career as a journalist, being at Women's Road Daily and at CNBC, and now really shaping the industry in your role at Shop Talk and Grocery Shop. So um, can you, I introduced you a bit, but please let's tell the audience a little bit more about your role and what you're doing at those two conferences. Yeah, happy to. Um, You know, it's so funny. I get the question a lot of, you know, how did you sort of move from journalism into the event space? And I think at uh, first blush, it sounds a little strange. I think when a lot of people think of events, they think of sort of, you know, the logistics and and sort of the commercial side. Um, But I think what I really love about what we do at Shop Talk is the fact that we are a really content driven event. Um, We do zero pay to play. It's an entirely editorially driven agenda. So my team, as you mentioned, is going out there, talking to folks in the industry around really kind of getting a pulse of, um, you know, what's new and next, um, I would say, mm-hmm. for for uh, the future of retail, grocery, CPG, um, really across verticals. Um, so we get to have a lot of fun. Uh, we get to go to dinners. We get to talk to our advisory board. We get to get on calls with folks in the industry and really just learn um, on top of, of course, you know, sort of reading white papers, um, yeah. reading blogs and, and things like that. So I would say it's sort of an information dump. And then if we're doing our jobs well, it's creating an agenda that feels really cohesive and really has mm-hmm. its uh, finger on the pulse of, you know, where the industry is headed, not just for the rest of 2024, but, you know, maybe the next five years uh, down the road. So, so that's kind of our focus. I would say, um, you know, sort of the um, the spiel on Shop Talk is we are focused on how new technologies and business models are changing how consumers discover, shop, and buy. So really just sort of thinking about that digitization happening in the industry, um, you know, mm-hmm. across whether it's uh, stores, supply chain, marketing, e-com, et cetera. So really kind of trying to, to, to dial down uh, or distill, I would say, all that exciting stuff that's happening um, in the retail space into four days, um, while also sort of making sure it's nice and measured um, and, you know, getting excited about the future, but not buying too much into to hype bubbles, uh, if, if that makes sense. It's, it's a tough balance to strike. It is, but you do a great job, I'm going to say, because I've participated in every conference since year one. Um, and what I love is because you're taking it from such a thought leadership perspective, you know, you're really making sure that there's meat being delivered, you know, and that um, those takeaways um, at the conference. And of course, as an industry leader, you brought in Ludacris to close yes. out this year. So, you know, from start to finish, it's going to be impactful. <laughs> we like to joke uh, that he he opened for us at the Super Bowl. 
Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Well, look, let's dive into some of the trends because I know the audience is really, you know, we're still in early innings of 2024 and thinking about what's 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 to come in the year ahead and the years to follow. So we're going to dive into uh, some of the trends that tie into the deeper conversation we're going to have at the conference, one being AI, two yeah. being the power, the, the power of brand and building trust and I mean, that's that's more difficult than ever. Unified retail experiences, how does that differ from omnichannel? And then navigating changing industry relationships. So let's dive into the first one, AI, the yep. buzziest topic of 2023. Um, and, you know, not a new topic, but really started to see its legs, right, after years of development um, across different touch points within retail. So what is the outlook ahead? Um, when it comes to AI, what are you most excited about? Um, and what are some of the categories of application where you've really seen some traction? Yeah, it's a really good question. And I think, um, you know, your point about sort of it, it getting its legs is really sort of, I would say, where we see 2024 um kind of hitting its stride as it pertains to AI. I think 2023 was a big year of curiosity. You know, if I think back to this time um, before Shop Talk uh, 23, I think OpenAI had just gone um, out to the public maybe a couple months prior. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say it was still sort of that new shiny toy that everyone was excited about talking about, but didn't necessarily have a full-fledged strategy on. From the conversations that I would say we're having in the industry today, it seems like it's a lot of pilots, right? It's a lot of testing. Mm -hmm. um, some of the folks who are speaking on our agenda, for example, um, I think on your panel even, uh, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but you know, uh, testing partnerships with Microsoft related to AI. You know, how do we make the um, in-store experience more efficient? Um, testing things like chatbots, whether they're customer-facing um, or consumer-facing. Thinking of companies like a, a Lowe's or a Walmart there, um, but it doesn't really feel like anyone's really sort of scaled any of these big initiatives mm -hmm. and. It's interesting because I was at a dinner, um, I guess it was last week, and, and was hearing from a lot of the uh, industry leaders in this space uh, who are based down here in Atlanta, where I am. And it sort of felt like, you know, you do these tests, you learn a lot, but you start to see some cracks potentially, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's, you know, creating product detail pages, whatever it has, or whatever it might be. You see a crack after you've done about 10, and then you think about scaling that across your entire product catalog, and you think, oh, wow, that's yeah. going to inject a lot of errors. And so I think we're sort of at that point now where retailers and brands are hoping to work out some of those kinks so that they can really sort of roll out at scale some of these early um, AI uh, projects. No, absolutely. And I think that's the right way to say it. So, you know, here at MG2, I've been spearheading proof of concept testing, and it is so much uh, test and learn right now because of so many different reasons. I mean, it's identifying the use cases. It's identifying, making sure you have the right inputs too, so that the yes. results because again, it's not just the machine doing the work, it's the human learning curve too, and how to work with this tool um, so that you get the best results. And then it also changes workflow. Yes. So it's also kind of reprogramming as you're learning too. Well, how does this change my workflow from the human standpoint to work with this tool? I definitely think that there's, um, and so we're doing it from a design and architecture mm -hmm. perspective, which I think is a little bit later in the curve. You know, this is earlier innings and in, say marketing campaigns, product development. Um, so it's also, I think, going to be interesting to see the spectrum because yes. they're not all, all equal playing field of like how far they've come as far as both testing and implement, implementation. Um, I agree with that. And it's interesting yeah. um, to hear you kind of describe it that way, because we do have a framework for how we're thinking about sort of the rollout of um, AI. And, and this is specific to generative AI, I should say. It's not not yeah. all AI, but, you know, these days AI is generative AI. That's what everyone's yes. you know, incredibly excited about. And to your point, we sort of view 
three buckets as being sort of the critical pieces here. Um, the first is improving productivity and efficiency. So things like, you know, summarizing documents, helping um, ensure that employees are giving accurate information, uh, you know, when they're on a customer service call, whatever it might be. Um, the next is enhancing the shopper experience. So things like, you know, an AI powered chatbot, and then enhancing creativity, which is more sort of that, you know, marketing design, personalized creatives and things like that. And um, I think to your point, the thesis we have is sort of the stuff that's internal facing and and, and not getting mm -hmm. exposed to the consumer is going to be what's faster, of course, um, to be adopted. And then sort of as you go farther down that curve, maybe things like store design as well, um, or a little bit farther, farther out. So it's really exciting to see how many different yeah. um, use cases there could potentially be. And I think to your point, what excites me most about the space is it really does hold the opportunity to completely reimagine how every role in retail gets done. Right. So, you know, mm -hmm. again, not to, not to sound too, too uh, yeah. in the hype curve, but at the end of the day, there's a lot of challenges, but it really does hold a lot of promise for every role in the organization. Oh, yeah. Well, we're going to weave into that later when we talk about <laughs> navigating and changing industry relationships because it's true. Um, and what else is interesting, just as we wrap up the AI portion of the conversation, is generationally, you know, the impacts that are going to have, you know, and you're starting to see brands launch like what Claire's just announced recently with the collaborative with the Gen Alpha, mm -hmm. Z and Alpha. And um, when we talk about AI, it's not just the human side of the industry part it's yes. also the end user kind of understanding it more um, having more comfortability with it yep. but also there we're going to have new expectations if i think of alpha for example born on this stuff it's not even yep. novel to them like the things it's going to shape around expectations and brands and retailers having the need to be able to deliver upon that yep 100%. it's going to be really interesting agreed Okay, so the next then on that note is the the brand power and building trust. And so, right, when we think about, again, bridging it to AI, even more need for authenticity. Uh, and Meta, I think just announced last week, they're going to start tagging images, for example, that were made with uh, AI to really start to, mm -hmm. like, you know, lift the cover on more transparency to that. So what do you what are you thinking here when it comes to brand power and authenticity and who's doing it well? Yeah, I mean I think you just hit on something that's so important. I mean, we've been talking about brand trust and loyalty for how many years basically since consumerism has existed. Yeah. <laughs> but I think what's really new and and potentially scary, potentially an opportunity is just the role that technology is going to play there. Um I think to your point, you know, it's not just sort of companies um you know, making sure that they're sort of moderating the content that's out there that could potentially be damaging to their own brands. Um, but it's also, you know, could employees be inputting information that is damaging to the brand? You know, if you ask uh, OpenAI for a summary of, hey, you know, what is Crocs up to these days or whatever brand it might be, depending on what inputs they're getting, it could put something out that is very, very damaging to your brand. And so I think the role of AI and technology in just kind of building that authentic and, um, uh, purposeful brand is going to be really, really challenging. Can't say that I know how to solve it, but I do think that's something to your point that needs to be on every marketer's brain. Um, I think in terms of um, today, what really fascinates me about the brand space, and if I think about you know all the years that I've been here at Shop Talk, I would say a lot of the innovation we had been seeing previously had been sort of from the retailer bucket or from um, the direct-to-consumer brand space. And I think what's been really fascinating to watch as we've been programming this year's show is just all the excitement that's happening in the brand space and in particular, the legacy brand space. So mm -hmm. you ask who's doing it well. I think about yeah. companies like Crocs, right? They're staying on the cutting edge of 
culture. They're coming mm-hmm. out with really interesting collaborations. At the same time, they still know who they are. They're not trying to be anyone other than Crocs. They're just finding really yep. in- innovative partners uh, to, to keep the brand fresh. Um, Mattel, obviously, that one's a no-brainer. Um, oh, my but, gosh. You know, yeah. have to put it Big out there. Um, yeah. it, you know, huge, huge success there. And then I actually think there's a lot of interesting stuff happening in the QSR space as well. So companies like, you know, a Taco Bell and McDonald's that are really just kind of understanding how consumers want to be spoken to these days. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another that I would I would sort of call out as um, as doing interesting things and and keeping their pulse on the consumer today. Yeah. And I love what you said about legacy brands, because it's so easy to get off brand because you're trying to stay up with the cultural moment of today, but Mm -hmm. the ability to tap into that yet stay true. um, That to me, that's the ultimate opportunity. Um, In addition to authenticity, the other thing is purpose. Um, And I think in today's day and age, you know, so many people are craving that we've done our own insights research um, and uh, we recently did one around wellness and what was, what stood out was the desire for people to not only live their a purpose and feel part of something greater, but their expectation of brands and retailers to stay true to their purpose and therefore help them as consumers live their purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a pretty big opportunity, but Many don't feel brands are really doing that. Uh, Only about a third, like people believe only about a third of brands are actually living a purpose. Um, So yeah, like what are your thoughts on there and and the opportunity as well of brands and retailers to kind of lean into that in order to build emotional human connection, but also trust? It's a really loaded question these days, right? I mean, it sort of feels <laughs> yeah. like one day, oh, brands need to be all about purpose. You know, we want to be serving the greater good. And then the next day a brand stands out, you know, for something or speaks out for something and they're getting criticized for it. And it feels like, I mean, again, this is something we always say, it's, it can be a little bit polarizing, but I feel like especially, mm-hmm. you know, in election year, we've seen some companies have some pretty oh, yeah. big missteps, um, you know, over the past year. Um, it feels like it's even more fraught uh, with with risk uh, than, than ever. But, you know, again, it, I'm going to tie it back to Mattel because I think what mm-hmm. they did was very smart for a reason that hopefully not everyone, you know, has has fully um, thought through. But I think about the Barbie movie, right? I think the reason that the Barbie movie was such a success was because they realized that their product is polarizing, right? Mm-hmm. They embraced it. They weren't here yeah. to say, oh, no, Barbie is just like fantastic, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What a great role model. And just kind of like try to force the narrative. They acknowledged the problems that the doll can bring to market. They addressed them. They also kind of gave the other side, right? The fact Ken, that hey, yes. women are seeing, yeah, well, Ken, yes. <laughs> but, but the fact that, hey, you know, you know, when she was created, it was to show women could have multiple careers. They didn't just have to stay at home. And so they kind of brought all the nuance of the conversation to life. I think where brands go wrong is when they try too hard to sound like they have it all figured out, right? And mm-hmm. this is who we are as a brand. And, you know, XYZ is what we do and everything that we do is is rosy and perfect and serving this great purpose. I think the brands that get it right are the ones that acknowledge openly and have that open and authentic dialogue with consumers that, hey, this is really hard. We're not going to get it right all the time. Sometimes Mm -hmm. our product can accidentally do this. And I think the ones that really kind of own that dialogue in a smart way are the ones who are going to win in the long term. Sure, maybe if they have, you know, some sort of PR crisis, um, you know, it could it could hurt sure. them in the short term. But I think ultimately consumers can see through um, the the mm-hmm. veil of of perfection, and so that I think is going to ultimately be the unlock for for brands when they can strike that right balance. No, I completely agree. I think they did such a great job in just hitting it head on. Um, and I'm curious to see what else is going to come out of that franchise uh, yes. because I know that they've committed to doing a lot more content after yes. seeing the success of Barbie. So. 
you know, what are they going to say about Hot Wheels and stuff? That's tell, right? <laughs> well, you will find out at Shop Talk. I'm doing that interview. And uh, so shoot me a note on the side, Melissa, if you got any yeah. specific questions for him. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, okay, so let's continue to bridge these conversations. Unified retail experiences is a mm-hmm. third trend. Um, what's the difference between that and Omnichannel? That is a fantastic question. So um, we are pretty excited about the concept of unified retail. It's actually a phrase that we introduced at Shop Talk last year. So we feel like we're taking a little bit of a victory lap this year. It seems like that term has really sort of taken off in the industry in the past uh, 11 months since we introduced it. And I think to your point, you know, when you think about the word omni-channel, it's about channels, right? Um, it's talking about making it feel like there's a seamless customer experience as they move from the mobile site, go in store, um, interact with you on other digital properties, et cetera. Um, we're actually going to be introducing a new framework for how we are thinking about unified commerce. Um, and it is sort of fourfold, uh, not to get too uh, nerdy and frameworky with you. Um, I'm is- happy. Let's geek out. I like it. <laughs> Let's geek out. So you need to have a unified tech stack. You need to have a um, unified data platform. You need to have a unified organization and then, of course, that unified customer experience at the end. So the idea is, yes, of course, you need to have that unified customer experience. But basically, in order to bring that to life, you have to be unified across you know, the entire organization from both tech data um, and uh, employee perspectives. Um, so, yeah, we're really excited about it. I think we're sort of uh, launching into this new era of retail where um Hopefully, uh, people are sort of getting rid of their silos, realizing that, you know, uh, having a real-time view of inventory doesn't just help with supply chain. It also helps your store associates. It also helps with your marketing. And so that's really, I would say, the the, the types of conversations that we're hoping to bring home as it pertains to uh, Unified this year. No, it's so important. And I know it, you know, might seem obvious, but I do think there's a significant gap when you think omni-channel. To your point, they're still thinking channel, but consumers don't think channel. Consumers think brand, right, or retailer. They're thinking of you know, that interaction. And I don't, we don't care uh, what the touch point is. We just want it to be consistent. You know, I will say without naming because it's a brand I love, but I ordered new pants and I'm an extra small in some of their styles. I'm a small in the other. Mm-hmm. Um, where I live, they don't have a store. I order online. And when I have the product that doesn't fit, they only allow returns, not exchanges. Mm-hmm. Do you know how frustrating yeah. that is? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just return it and then you rebuy. That sounds great. I mean, no, this is an extra step for me. <laughs> so um, you're probably going to lose some out. Like I would have yeah. easily exchanged those. Now I'm going to pause and hesitate. And you're not creating a good customer experience at the end of the day. And to your point, there's probably uh, things on the back end that's not allowing that fluidity, that tech stack or the logistic side of it. And so mm-hmm. it hurts all the work they did maybe from the front end brand consistency yeah. because they're not able to deliver to me on that moment of interest and intent. Yeah, I agree with you. And it's really interesting um, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but we're going to be doing um, another event uh, in fall, uh, Shop Talk Fall. Um, and actually, one of the ways that we are approaching Unified at that event in particular is exactly what you're talking about, reverse logistics. You know, I think in the past, reverse logistics would have felt like, oh, that's a supply chain problem. But to your point, these days, people want to return items to store. They want to return them, you know, um, through you know, their concierge at their front desk, you know, they want to be able to do an immediate exchange. And there are some interesting solution providers out there that make that super, super seamless. And so the companies that are just thinking about these in silos, in regimented old school ways, they're going to be the ones that lose customers like you. So. Yes, exactly. And I think like when we think of some of the newest capabilities, you'll touch upon that as well. um, What I'm talking about is 
to the to me these days feel kind of base level. It's going to get even more complex when you think about how resale is getting more integrated to the, you know, that this new model of whether you're in store doing a new purchase item, second life item, and think mm-hmm. about the consistency that's going to be needed there as well. Yep. I 100% agree. Well, it was interesting this past weekend, I'll say, I, you know, I've always sort of been watching the real-time uh, delivery space. I feel like that's gotten a lot smarter. There are a couple of new partners mm-hmm. out there um, for some of the beauty brands. Again, I won't I won't name names, um, but where you're sort of, you know, getting the text message, this is coming from a career that's not a USPS, uh, leaving mm-hmm. it at your door. Um, that has been a fantastic new experience. Um, I was very uh, on top of my game this past weekend. We just got a new puppy and we were in desperate need of uh, some puppy supplies. And I'm literally just kind of watching the Amazon delivery. You're next in, in, uh, <laughs> on the path. And I literally went downstairs. I live in a massive apartment building and I was watching them unload the boxes and kind of, you know, getting like just immediately. Yes. <laughs> but to your point, it's kind of like one innovation that comes um, to life and, and a, consu- a consumer uh, discovers it and all of a sudden that's a new expectation. So um, yeah, it's it's going to require a lot of um, a lot of innovation, I would say, across the entire uh, organization to bring this uh, unified experience to life. So in terms of unified uh, you know, retail experiences, who are some of the speakers we can expect to hear from at Shop Talk and, and the things that they're going to be addressing? Um, one person I'm really excited to hear about on this topic is Tom Kingsbury. Uh, you may know that he is the new CEO of Kohl's. Um, they obviously striked a really interesting partnership with Amazon um, under Michelle Goss's leadership uh, mm-hmm. when she was uh, when she was helming the retailer. Um, but uh, really excited to hear how that initiative is going, as well as some of the other efforts that are going to be taking place um, under him. Uh, similar to that, we're also going to have Tony Spring, who is going to be, uh, I think he actually just became uh, formerly the new CEO of Macy's Inc. He was previously leading Bloomingdale's, which of course is one of their banners. So super excited to hear uh, what his efforts are going to be in this space to uh, to lead Macy's forward. Great. Um, well, a lot, I mean, I'm sure the audience is going to have a lot of questions on those too. It's great to see <laughs> kind of those. Uh, it's not so easy, especially when you bring up big box and the opportunities there, because traditionally they haven't been able to be as nimble uh, yeah. as some of the D2C brands. So uh, them being able to kind of bring that stuff to fruition is, is pretty exciting. And then I think that weaves into kind of the fourth trend we wanted to talk about, which is navigating changing industry relationships, um, different leadership that's in there, the different requirements and skill sets needed mm-hmm. out of those leaders. Um, but then all the way over to kind of the role of things like retail media and yep. creator commerce and B2B partnerships. I mean, there's a lot of evolution when you think about kind of those relationships out there. Yeah, it's so interesting. And I, I'll, I'll hone in on retail media that you just said, because us as, uh, you know, event organizers, we tend to think about our attendees in a couple of different buckets, right? You sort of think about the retailer and brand side, you think about the tech solution provider side. And now it's just kind of like everyone's doing everything, right? Uh, when you think about retail yeah. media, when you think about some of the other white label solutions that retailers are out there creating, it creates entirely new dynamics for the industry in terms of just kind of who holds the power. Um, you think about retail media too, you're starting to see companies like a Pinterest come in and, and, and start to play a role mm-hmm. there. And so I don't know, it's just, it feels like a very complex, confusing space right now. And so I'm really excited for some of the various speakers um, on our stages to start to unpack some of that, uh, uh, some of that nuance uh, when, when they're in Vegas in a couple of weeks. So what kind of things do you think they're going to address in that unpacking? It's so interesting, right? Because I feel like retail media is 
more prevalent, I would say, in the grocery and CPG industry. They've sort of Mm -hmm. been um, at the forefront of innovation in that space. And so what I'm really excited about is actually to hear from companies like Akenview um, that have really been, I would say, at the forefront of of leading in terms of being very thoughtful about what properties they want to show up from, how to make sure um, to the best of their ability uh, that their spend is incremental, um, and and really kind of tossing that over to um, the traditional retail space. Um, So that's something that I'm particularly excited about. I'm also just really excited to hear this conversation continue to mature because, again, this is one sort of as we think back Mm -hmm. to like how quickly generative AI has changed. You know, if we think back two years ago, it was just, oh, retail media, it's this new shiny toy. Hey, come spend your money on our properties because we're basically going to strong arm you to doing it because it's going to have commercial implications if you don't do it. And so getting to a point where um, I think the space is maturing a little bit, um, brands are going to have a little bit, hopefully, uh, more ability to sort of push back on the the, the big retailers to make sure, again, that... um, the offerings that are out there aren't just, you know, to the benefit of the retailer, but at the end of the day, to the end consumer. Again, going back to what you were saying before, it yeah. sounds really simple. But I think at the end of the day, when this when this um, initiative first was kind of coming to market, it was all about the dollars and cents. And it wasn't necessarily putting the customer um, at the center of, of, of what these um, of what retail media can unlock. No, and I think that's so important. You know, again, we do a lot of our own kind of primary research around that. And again, it's like, wayfinding points of communication these silent sellers only work if you understand kind of what the consumer is looking to demystify or answer real-time information you know you brought up kenview and you think of beauty some of the insights we found when we asked consumers what do you want at the shelf from a merchandising standpoint and overwhelmingly men and women when it came to skincare for example they want to understand the regimen Hmm. Right. So when you think of the opportunity of retail media to communicate and demystify and to educate, that's when you get the value add to the consumer side. Then you get the plus one in the cart. Then you start to see that ROI. Then that investment becomes more worth it. So it's really kind of the hardware might be there and the players are there, but like really taking it a step further and saying, well, where's the value add? Yeah. And I think getting to that is key. I agree. And I think, again, like all these conversations, to your point, are so interrelated. You know, what's this going to start to look like in a physical store environment, right? When you have um, digital screens in stores and you're able to sort of take those customer insights and push uh, push adverts that actually are, are meaningful and impactful to them, um, I think it'll be really interesting. We're starting to see some interesting tests on that front um, with companies like Instacart actually sort of doing it on the cart. But I think, you know, again, very early days, I expect mm-hmm. that sort of initiative to really evolve uh, quite a bit before it sort of uh, lands on, on what's going to resonate with the consumer. Overall, what I must say, as somebody who lives more in kind of physical environments, knowing it's all interconnected, and you talk about unified retail, and we talk about retail mm-hmm. media, is all of this is also going to help brands and retailers kind of um, illuminate that point of attribution from those in-store visits, mm-hmm. too, because we have all this data collection. And I think it's also going to further the opportunity to continue to evolve and answer that question of what's the point of the store. It's not just to hold product, it's all of these other opportunities um, to engage with the consumer in, in a different and deeper and more meaningful way. What are you hearing from your clients? Because I think, you know, as I was mentioning before, it feels in my mind like a lot of sort of like the grocery CPG players are ahead in the space, but I know you work with a lot of other verticals. Like, are they excited about this opportunity? Like where is sort of their understanding of, of the opportunity and maturity in the space so far? You know, I think that there's a lot of interest for sure with Unified. I mean, I think everybody's understanding the need to make that as seamless as possible and having a more um, 
kind of comprehensive thought process on point of sales, for example, knowing that that's a key element of kind of creating yeah. more of that unified, the you know the capability, like you mentioned earlier, of, of making returns seamless and getting money back in their pocket and like um, simplifying that part of it. So there's like the efficiency side of it. But when we talk about retail media, I think um, there's been the complexity of, okay, we'll make the investment in, in the hardware, keeping up with the content and mm. keeping it fresh and that upkeep and management being a huge pain point because if you don't have that kind of freshness and that real-time opportunity kind of like you do on your digital platforms those um, investments start to fall short when it comes to delivering value to the consumer so i think the more and more they become seamless uh, players that can be updated and it's easier lift for the brands and retailers the more um, interested they are because and then to layer on to that, I think what they're doing is trying to really understand what's bells and whistles and what's yeah. value add. Yeah, no, it's it's a really great point. We were talking a little bit about this. It's sort of that concept of commerce everywhere, right? And even thinking about retail media, um, Andrew Lipsman, um, who was previously at Insider Intelligence and has just sort of um, created his own uh, research and consulting group. Um, you know, he's talking about it now as just sort of commerce media networks, right? It's not just retail, you know, it's how companies like, you know, Marriott or, or folks um, who are even just kind of like outside of the um, outside of the retail space are really sort of just capitalizing on first party customer data and the fact that they're able to sort of, you know, create these these smart uh, um, uh, marketing uh, messages to them. But at the end of the day, if you can't sort of create the content uh, to support that, which, hey, arguably that's what Gen AI is supposed to kind of plug in and do. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's really hard to keep up. So again, the interconnection of all these different uh, talk tracks and uh, capabilities is is really important. Yeah. Well, I think this is going to be another year of, well, two conferences. So we're just touching upon <laughs> the first one, but this is going to be a great year of really kind of continuing to demystify, you know, as you mentioned in the beginning, you know, I sometimes hear comments like, oh, these are trends we've heard about, but yeah, there's going to be trends that fall to the wayside. And then there's going to be those that continue to evolve and move things forward. And I think the four that we touched upon today are key trends that are going yeah. to continue to evolve. AI, brand building and trust, unified retail experiences, and the changing industry relationships, um, for sure. So what else can you leave us with before we wrap up today? Any any key things that you want everybody to kind of have in mind as we approach the year ahead? You know, I would say those those are the big ones, but I think ultimately how we're thinking about it is just the pace of innovation um, is just continuing to accelerate. Um, that is ultimately sort of why we decided to have a second conference, because, you know, Things are just changing so quickly to your point. I never want people to feel like, oh, these themes are kind of, you know, tried and true. Oh, we've been hearing about these for years. Yes, we have. But basically, innovation happens so quickly that maybe you don't even always see it, right? If we think about just one year ago, talking about unified commerce, that was an entirely new concept. We were still thinking omni-channel. In just the past year, we've sort of evolved that. We've created a new framework and and, and sort of four pillars that you need in order to, to have that unified um, experience actually come to life. And so I actually think the fact that the themes remain somewhat constant is actually a good thing for the industry. It sort of gives the industry things that they can sort of focus on and know that they need to be, you know, researching, innovating, investing in, but making sure that you're still sort of looking at that technology landscape, having conversations, you know, so that you can continue to sort of push that innovation roadmap forward. Um, it, it's, I don't know, it's just an interesting dichotomy. You could argue in some capacity, oh, the industry feels like it's not accelerating at all. These are these are the four themes, but it's like, no, when you actually go under the surface and, and sort of look yeah. at how much has changed on these concepts in the past year, I think that's where all the really rich insights sit. 
Absolutely. I agree. Well, I look forward to the conference. I'm excited to be part of it again and uh, can have the AI conversation kicking off the day on Sunday that I'll be yes. having with some exciting panelists. Um, so yeah, the countdown begins to March, but thank you so much for getting on with us, Christina. It's always great because you're sitting you know, in the middle of a lot of innovative conversations with so many leaders within retail. So appreciate you taking the time to to share your insights and your learnings and kind of guide the audience on what to think about in the year ahead. Awesome. Well, it was really fun. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you.